listening to Not Good Enough, an inadequate response to inadequate responses. I'm Mitch Alexander. I'm Tom McLean. I'm Tom Lang. And I'm Evie. And we've got that uh, <laughs> that guy from Down Under, thanks pal, in our <laughs> headphones, fact checking and keeping us honest <laughs> on this week's episode of Not Good Enough. <laughs> and if you missed the news, Scott Morrison with his public humiliation fetish was out in force this week getting pissed on by the leaders of English-speaking nations the world over, and it has reinvigorated me. I, 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 I'm having my own Joe Biden moment right now. I can't put it into words. I thought we took a non-kink-shaming approach on this podcast. Um, I'm not really happy with how we've turned now on on our old mate Scott Morrison and what he likes him. to do in his private time. <laughs> But he's not doing it in private, Evie. He's mm. doing it on the world stage. And so we get to comment on it as much as we want. Yeah, if you bring it out there, we're allowed to make fun of it. Yeah. yeah. I don't think anyone's missed the news, but um, uh, Scott but, Morrison. But, but in our headphones is Isaac, as always. Who we are friends with. Despite what you may feel, every 50 episodes, we're legally obliged to bring up Mouse Ritter. This one's on the house. But <laughs> <laughs> It won an Any Award this week. Oh, yes. Anyway. Congrats. No, fucking yes. What is that, that's Isaac? N, what is that award? That's Any with an N. Yes. You were nominated for it, and then you fucking won it. I won it. It's like. You know, the, the, the award for role-playing games. Dude. That rocks. That's Congratulations. So good. Mouse Raider is officially the the best um, family game of 2021. Hell yeah. That's nice. so fucking good. <laughs> and Lang also won an award. Yeah, but I just won the Mensa award. And those guys <laughs> <laughs> My board game won the Mensa award. I haven't applied, obviously, because I have standards. Um, <laughs> and a podcast to record. <laughs> Um, did anyway. you get a, a physical trophy, Isaac? No, but I, I hope to get a medal in the mail. Oh, nice. Fuck yeah. <laughs> anyway, what were we talking about? Oh, <laughs> Speaking of people who haven't won the mentor award, because <laughs> he's a doofus, am I right? <laughs> Scott Morrison had this big announcement and you could tell how proud he was. He was joining this bilateral military agreement with the biggest English-speaking nations in the world, England and, and America and Australia, back together, bringing together the, the big three. Oh, you know, the big three. How On the world stage, it's always America, the UK and Australia. And we're never forgotten. We're never in other. When you're listing the world powers, you go America, <laughs> UK, and then bam, Australia's right there. <laughs> <laughs> Up with them. Before we get into this, I want to say the day or the night before the announcement was officially made, there was a lot of like to do um, on social media about, oh, there's going to be like oh, yeah. a big announcement, Something blah, blah, big. blah. It's, it's involving all the major superpowers. I was calling it in the chat the night before. I was like, Biden's dead. It's 100% Biden's <laughs> I can't say I was paying attention to that, mostly because I had had several seltzers and was watching Kitchen Nightmares. <laughs> but <laughs> I, know, I noticed that there was like something like what was happening in the group chat and like – I, when, when there's superpowers involved and Australia gets involved, I was like, okay, mm. it's got to be something boring. It's got to be something like really <laughs> inconsequential to like geopolitics in general. And was I wrong? Was I wrong? <laughs> I don't know. Kind of inconsequential to geopolitics in general because it's like, look, Australia building some submarines 
eventually is really not going to shake up the balance of like the sort of the the you know the, the the pendulum of military force in the world but it did fuck our international relations <laughs> well, like France Indonesia China New Zealand <laughs> yeah so australia building or maybe building submarines is like an ongoing joke in Australia generally when it talks about the military because for the last like 10 or something years we've had the ongoing saga of the Collins submarines which was in in coordination with um, France and with like you know a joint effort and funding and we have wasted billions billions of dollars on submarines that have constantly been shown not to work and now we've announced this new thing and it's just like it's just ongoing joke but we're just involving different people this time and maybe some nukes it really is so funny that uh australia is like the world's premier provider of submarine contracts (laughs) (laughs) we had our prime minister on the international stage with his big puffed up chest and his big smirking grin, be called Prime Minister Morris by Boris Johnson and then be called that fella from down under. Thank you very much, pal. Appreciate it, Mr. Prime Minister. By Joe Biden, who could not remember his fucking name during this press conference, which, as we'll get into, has decimated relationships with France, has set the geopolitical clock spinning in this region ever faster. And the big announcement, this is the bit for me that I just can't get over, is that what Prime Minister Morrison was trying to do, or Morris, as if you're from the UK, was set up this big treaty that will secure Australia for the future with the biggest nations. And they couldn't even get his fucking name right. Do you know how good a fucking metaphor that is for the entirety of Australia and all of our international (laughs) politics? It's absolutely so funny. Like, we deserve to have Scott Morrison's name forgotten in the announcement because that Mm. is exactly how much of an influence we have on geopolitics in general. It just, it's, it's so funny. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just stoked as well because we've now got our own Biden moment for the podcast that we can put in unironically <laughs> and not have to wait. Like it's connected directly to us and we can have Joe Biden because he didn't just forget his name. If you haven't heard the audio, he didn't just sort of go, ah, blah, 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 Scotty. He has no idea what's going on and for a good 35 seconds is just sort of like spinning the wheels trying to get traction on whatever the fuck (laughs) he's supposed to be talking about it's fucking delicious i love it so much so the the reason that it's decimated our international relations is also not because like it's not that he forgot his name that's like a footnote it's because we just tore up this submarine contract with france that we already had to build nuclear subs for the uk and the us maybe or just like get them to build it we host like we we had a contract we tore it up without warning for france we've Mm. got this new one that like kind of makes no sense new zealand's pissed off because they're like please don't put nuclear shit in sort of our water space, we're a non-nuclear nation. Like, it's just like this big stupid decision Mm. that the fact that Biden forgot ScoMo's name as part of the announcement is like, (laughs) that's just like one of the many ways in which it's stupid. It's just like, what are these people doing? But also Boris Johnson did. And so mm. it just makes me feel like the entire time it was like, you know, the two bullies are sitting there at the, at the lunch table figuring out, you know, who they're going to take the money from that little lunch. And mm-hmm. like the little rat fink bastard that hangs out with them, Scott Morrison, is like, yeah, I'm involved too. And they're like, yeah, sure. Anyway, what are we going to say? Yeah, we can do some cool stuff. The Richard Hammond <laughs> of the G8, like just yeah, the little exactly. guy sniveling away in the corner. <laughs> but like the funniest <laughs> thing is that like, 
Remember, like, prior to the US election, how we were all, like, sort of focused on Biden sundowning in every single appearance, and then the election happened, and he won, and we just decided to, like, collectively, as a as a planet, forget that he's definitely on his last legs, <laughs> brain-wise. Did we, did we forget that? <laughs> That's been front of mind for a lot of Biden appearances. I think we just had bigger problems. I've suppressed the idea that the most powerful military on earth is run by Joe fucking Biden, <laughs> who's just sort of like walking around in a hazy 1950s American fucking brain death. Just, ah, this is great. Ah, good on you, down under pal. <laughs> Here's the thing, like, Obama was sharp as attack. It doesn't make a difference, honestly. They're That's, all beholden yes. to corporate interests anyway, so... This guy's just more beholden for different reasons. Yeah, I don't think this one was like Biden's like mind slipping. I think this is just a regular mode not knowing someone's name because you don't respect him. Like that bit of the press conference was great. Like Scott Morrison opened up with like his bit of just like, you know, oh, everyone's best friends with me. I'm very pleased to join two great friends of freedom and of Australia, Prime Minister Johnson and President Biden. But then when Biden's turn comes around, he's just, he, he just fucking clearly doesn't know the guy's name. Thank you, Boris, and I want to thank uh, that fellow down under. Thank you very much, pal. Appreciate it, Mr. Prime Minister. Ah, <laughs> hey there, fella. You're a rootin' tootin' good old Prime Minister. Time to switch on the charm. He's just like, I know I'm going to get it wrong, so I'm not going to risk it. Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. And just keep in mind, that's the President of the United States. You nailed it, Joe. You nailed it. <laughs> it's the guy running the show <laughs> for the Western world. Fuck me, dude. Like you are saying with the bullies in school, Scott Morrison was so eager to get in with these guys. <laughs> oh, I could sit on the big boy table yeah. and have my big boy submarine. That he drop kicked all his little mates who were the <laughs> only ones who hang out with him. He's like, "You guys can fuck off. Yeah. I've got real friends now." And he goes sits with the real fr- with his like big mates, and they can't remember his name, and they don't care, and they just want him because his dad has a pool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. His dad has a military base. <laughs> yeah. So w- when we're talking about like the other countries being pissed off that we've we've sort of uh, signed this submarine contract, like that. They're legit pissed off. France recalled their ambassador to the US and Australia over this. Like, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're fucked off about it. That's not a small move. It's, it's weird because it doesn't really sound like much, but it's one of those things that, you know, after hundreds, if not thousands of years of that just being a big deal, it's a signifier of a big deal to recall ambassadors. Mm. But, mm. like, the French ambassador to Australia had some shit about, like, oh, if I could jump into a time machine and stop this un-Australian thing from happening, I'd do it. It's like, okay, man, that's cool. He sounds like a nerd anyway, so... Yeah, but like, but uh, uh, France has never recalled an ambassador from the US. Mm. That's yeah. massive. Like, they've been there since the 1700s because, I mean, they've always hated the British. And the best thing as well is that they haven't recalled their ambassador from Britain. So I don't know what the go is with that. But like... So I guess it's because they've got a rail link and they don't have one to Australia. <laughs> <laughs> like... And France already hates <laughs> sort the of British. Fair enough. But, but they've been buddies with, yeah, America since the bloody Revolutionary yeah. War. This is crazy. Uh, I don't, there was a whole period post-September 11 where the sort of the whole meme was the Freedom US hates fries. France. Freedom like the, fries. Sure. You know, surrender monkeys. But they were still in Afghanistan with them. Yeah, even that wasn't as bad as apparently this military contract for some submarines. Like, I don't understand how this was even possible, though, because this was a $90 billion contract that had been going for, like, friggin' a decade or so, and apparently Scott Morrison told Macron the night before. It's possible insofar as, like, 
people try, depending on what the topic is and what the capabilities are of our government or the head of state, um, we often get told conflicting messages of what Scott Morrison can or cannot do. But the truth Mm. is he can do it. He can just say, okay, I've decided that this contract isn't for us and we're going to go with the US instead. If he has the power to do that and if the military has the power to do that, then there is a lot of power that they have at their hands that doesn't make sense for other things that they say. Oh, I guess we'll just have sure. to put table a bill and talk about it a bit. Yeah. Right. Up I this mean, contract sort of- was $3 billion apparently. That's like the smallest estimate of like what, how much reparations they're going to have to pay to France for that. $3 billion bucks just out of nowhere. And yet, you know, helping people in poverty. Well, we can't, mm, mm. It took a decade to make this contract. It took multiple <laughs> prime ministers to make this contract. And like in an interview, a journalist asked Scott Morrison, like, do you think you could have picked up the phone and given a heads up before the announcement? And Scott Morrison said he was told. And the journalist said, how was he told? And when did that happen? That happened the night before, said Scott Morrison. He was fully aware of the decision. He fucking rings up Macron in the middle of dinner. The night before. And he's like, uh, by the way, the sub deal's off. Bye-bye. Yeah, so th- this is not, $90 billion is not an insignificant amount of money to suddenly, like, blow away the <laughs> night beforehand. And here's the thing. Pissing off France is not just like, ah, well, it's France. They're on the other side of the world. Like, I don't even understand what the ramifications are going to be about this because France doesn't just hypothetically make a submarine for us in, in some point in the future. They make so much of our military hardware. Like, if you've heard about Thales, or however you pronounce it, that's like a French military contractor and arms manufacturer based in Australia. And France makes our fucking helicopters. They make our ground vehicles. They make our guns. Uh, the ADF uses just piles of French hardware. What's going to happen there? Also, all the, all the, the food. All the food, the caviar. <laughs> the cheeses. <laughs> What's going to happen to the wine and the breads? I actually didn't know that <laughs> Thale had such a large part of like Australia's military um, spending and construction because they're like we have literally every single military organization in Australia. We have Lockheed Martin, we have BAE, <laughs> yeah. we have Boeing, we have all of them. So yeah, like part of me is like, oh yeah, we do have a significant amount of like you know our contract and everything there. But I was like, as compared to what? <laughs> Yeah, look, and I don't know how much of a player Tails is and whether we can just replace it with American things. Presumably now we're locked that's- into the, like, you know, Microsoft ecosystem or whatever. <laughs> that's, the, that's the sort of thing where you, you can sort of uh, understand that they're like, oh, look, obviously it's going to damage our relationship with France, but we'll have the UK and the US on our team and that'll really give us some good, you know, tactical strength or whatever <laughs> but they're also like really beating this drum about like oh war with china is going to happen any day uh, it's going to happen any day and uh, so the thing that we should do is tear up all of our military construction contracts and like rebuild our entire military supply line <laughs> just like just 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 before things kick off any minute i'm just gonna you know renovate <laughs> <laughs> this is cleaning the house the day of a fucking house inspection <laughs> like, just, just like frantically putting shit under the couch like ah it's all good it's not insignificant to me that, like, this is all happening right at the anniversary of us invading Afghanistan and it's September 11th as well. Like, mm. it's not insignificant that everyone's like, wow, that was a failure. And meanwhile, this alliance is like, hey, by the way, we're going to try and, like, just talk about how we're definitely going to have another war. And everyone, like, the rest <laughs> of the general public is like, we're really doing this again? <laughs> no, nah, we're still cool and tough. 
Maybe a bunch of American arms dealers um, are like twisting Joe Biden's arms, being like, dude, you promised us trillions of dollars of military (laughs) spending and you just pulled out of Afghanistan. We'd better fucking have a war with China. And Joe Biden's (laughs) like, but... But China's like, ugh, maybe we'll get Australia to do it. <laughs> no, Joe, oh. Joe Biden's like, come on, Mac, the Chinese ain't hurt no one. Not since that, not since that Mao fella been in there. Good fella, that Mao. Like, <laughs> like him quite a bit with the workers. He's got the workers on side too. And we, we like workers here. If you don't cut me off, I'm going to keep going. We got the workers here. <laughs> so one thing that like c- kind of just intrigues me about this thing is there's sort of two prongs of this issue that are like really... A- tension with each other mm. where we've got one which is like Australia's really fucked off France by throwing out their very valuable contract and signing up with a new contract with America and the UK and then on the other hand it's like this fucking stupid contract's a dumb joke mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, th- there's sort of like one path of events where ScoMo's like night before hey France you know that bullshit stupid contract that we've been stuck in for ages it's gone don't mm. even worry about it mm-hmm. and the, the sort of, you know, Boris Johnson and, and Joe Biden are like looking at Australia's dumb, terrible submarine program being like, I want in on that. Can I get some dumb, terrible submarines? And Scummer's like, uh-huh. How many do you want? They're like, we can't remember your name, mate. He's like, look, you give me the money. I'll pretend to give you some submarines. I'm, I win. <laughs> Here's the thing is I think like the submarines are a MacGuffin. They're that, that suitcase in Pulp Fiction we're never going to get any submarines. If we do get right. submarines, it'll be in 20 years. The submarines are the bloody NPN. They're going to be yeah. like, oh, look, we, we built the last two thirds of them out of cardboard, but it's like the double reinforced cardboard, so it'll be good. I will get back to that. Um, <laughs> but but the submarine thing, I think, is just like a MacGuffin in order to shuffle billions of dollars and weird diplomatic shit around the world. Um mm-hmm. and, and we've we've changed our geopolitical standing... We've changed our military contracts for something that doesn't actually exist. Um, and I think that's interesting. And that's why I think the, the capabilities and the actual like design of these submarines and how effective they are doesn't matter. Um, and that's not just because they are pathetic. So there's, there's, <laughs> there's two other things too. And I think, McLean, you brought up one a few days ago when we were chatting about it. But one of the reasons as well for this big deal is, I, I think, because they want access to the, like, you know, Port Darwin, which has actually been oh, sold yeah. to the Chinese. They want to keep better tabs on that. They want to start using Northern Australia for military purposes. They want a foothold in the region. And this deal is a really good way to just start sending, you know, troops and materials and whatnot to Australia under the guise of, oh, we're building these bloody submarines. Check them out. <laughs> Look at this. Yeah, we need we need paratroopers and cruise missiles and all this shit. It's just to make sure they get built properly. Like they, they America does this. Yeah, America does this all the fucking time where they, they send so many troops to allied nations to station them there to strong arm other quote-unquote enemy mm. nations around the place like but they can't just up and say that because if they did that it's just like, yeah we're building a military base in australia and china you're on notice it's like well that's that's a problem because <laughs> we have nukes <laughs> right that's that's you know hawaii or guam or korea yeah. Um, where they're like, hey, we're going to help you guys out. I mean, we've got Dutton here saying the United States is talking about bringing through all sorts of planes, sustaining through Richmond or Ambury, different airports. There's a big opportunity. They're basically, yeah, we are going to be a landing pad for yep. the UK and US and other sort of Western imperialist types to strong arm China. And we're not going to really have any say in it. But do you remember what happened to Hawaii at the start of World War II? Um, it. 
I don't remember, but there was something that resulted in a really cool movie years later. I'm assuming. Yeah, it <laughs> exactly. It's going to be a fucking Matt Damon movie <laughs> in Australia in 30 oh, years. Oh, Matt Damon as an 80 year old with a really bad fucking Australian <laughs> accent, Chuck, like trying to Clint Eastwood his career. Oh, crikey. <laughs> the Chinese are here. <laughs> um, the other thing you mentioned as well, McLean, was the um, like just energy. I, I just got to put you up there real quick. I don't think I was talking about the Darwin stuff because as you were talking about it, that mostly went over my head. <laughs> it sounded good, but, but I don't really know where Darwin is. <laughs> the get geopolitics, like just the ge- geography of Australia is like beyond the at this point. <laughs> I know it's at the top. I know it's at the top. That's all you need to know. It's the bit near the other countries. No one wants Melbourne. There's zero strategic <laughs> advantage, unless you want to invade Antarctica or Tasmania. A little or, bit. One or sec. New Zealand, I guess. <laughs> Antarctica's cool. <laughs> the other thing is, well... Um, that like one of the reasons I think America and the UK are trying to get a foothold in here and the, is, is is essentially over energy, specifically nuclear energy. Um, and I think this because uh, Matt Canavan decided to fucking tweet out. Right. He's either tweeting out some secret that he shouldn't have or he's opportunistically trying to get ahead of something that he might be able to make a buck off. But um, uh, he tweeted out, every country in the world that has nuclear submarines also has nuclear power. We should build nuclear power stations too. And it's like, no, we fucking shouldn't, though. And it's just like, yeah. we don't even want these nuclear submarines. What are you talking about nuclear power stations as well? Fuck off away from the uranium. But to, to me, the, I mean, slightly tangential, but to me, this is interesting because this is Matt Canavan in his own way, transitioning away from coal into the next grift that he can trob- probably try to make some oh, yeah, money off for of. Sure. So I am really um, looking forward to the profile pic for Matt Canavan's Twitter where he's rubbed uranium <laughs> all over his face <laughs> and he's covered in yellow cake. I love that. I love that. Um, I... D- I think you're reading too much into this. The Nationals are always being vaguely pro-nuclear just because it's another alternative to renewables where you have a yeah, centralised yeah. mining industry. That Canavan's talked about nuclear in the past. He's an idiot. I <laughs> love the idea, not just of Matt Canavan rubbing uranium on his face, but Scott Morrison bringing a lot of uranium <laughs> into Parliament. <laughs> this is... <laughs> it's just uranium. This is uranium. I you as his hand like slowly melts off. <laughs> Don't be... <coughs> <laughs> Don't be afraid. Just Scott Morrison turning into an eldritch horror in front of everyone. <laughs> we seal Parliament House in a big concrete sarcophagus. I mean, yes. <laughs> Speaking of eldritch horrors, Evie, thank you very much for that uh, very quick segue into a very niche part of this that I really want to talk up. But if anyone who plays D&D is listening to this podcast, <laughs> you'll also have had your ears burning whenever this has been brought up because the acronym for this is A-U-K-U-S. That's the acronym for this alliance, which is being pronounced AUKUS, which Orcus is the orc god of war in D&D. But the other fun thing I liked about this was that Orcus is actually, in Roman mythology, the god of the underworld and the punisher of broken oaths. Oh, <laughs> well, well, well. Isn't that fucking amazing? <laughs> Just Australia is excited to launch our new class of deal breaker submarines. <laughs> That's the kind of coincidence that has made my third eye open. Like, that doesn't yeah, right. seem like a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, we are not in any way a satanic cabal of, of people who manipulate and brutalize children for horrible evil ends. Absolutely not. Also, we are now in a military alliance called AUKUS. We are <laughs> Threatening the stability of the southeast region of the world. It's don't worry about it, guys. Don't mind these black hoods that we've got and these torches and the red glowing eyes. It's all part of a trade deal. 
that was one little bit of this that did stick out to me, uh, just in terms of like destabilizing the southeast. So Indonesia was also pissed off about this. Um, Indonesia, th- th- you know, if you're a bit geographically challenged, directly between Australia and China. Our closest neighbour. <laughs> like if you draw a line between them, it, it, yeah, that's that's where Indonesia is. And in response to us being like, we're going to get nuclear submarines to counter China's threat, Indonesia was like, can you fucking not? Please. <laughs> uh, they had a, a planned visit with uh, Scomo was going to go and have a, a visit with uh, President Widodo over there, and they they cancelled that visit. But in the in the report that I saw uh, from this, which is just a, a Sky News YouTube video, the, the the report closed with the Australian government does not believe the cancellation of the trip is linked to Indonesia's <laughs> unease over the plan. <laughs> we just announced this deal that really raised tensions for them, and they were like, "By the way, don't visit anymore," and it's for a different reason. Yeah, Sky, Sky News taking the tactic like, "Yeah, Indonesia are annoyed at the deal, and also, unfortunately, they were washing their hair that night, so they can't yeah. come." Damn, real story, what's guys. that about? Oh, they're on the rags. I don't know. Yeah, Australia's just like, no, they're fucking crazy. What, you can't listen to them. <laughs> what other countries have decided that this is absolute bullshit? I mean, just everyone in the South Pacific, all of <laughs> yeah. our neighbours, New Zealand. Obviously China. <laughs> fucking chi- China, I love because every time Australia or America or UK does anything, China's big enough um, that they can be like, fucking just don't. How about that? <laughs> like, we will crush you like a fucking bug. <laughs> <laughs> or not even cr- we'll crush you like a fucking bug, but just like, you fucking idiots. They yeah. just like, make fun of us. It's great. Is, what's his name? Chen Weiwa uh, just responding to this with uh, three losers in Afghanistan on Twitter. <laughs> That's the whole tweet. There's no, like, watch out, China's strong, but just like, come on. <laughs> And yeah, depending on on which sort of Chinese sort of media, uh, and they're all like, depending on who you ask, uh, they're all kind of connected to the government. They're state media. They're state, oh, but, sure. Yeah. But they do it in like different levels of aggression. So like the very staid ones will be like, well, this is uh, this is obviously we'll see where this goes. We don't encourage it. But then the more fighty ones will be like, fucking try anything, try anything. <laughs> we will glass you cunts. Go on, piggies, <laughs> fucking do it, piggies. Oink oink. <laughs> it's like fuck me. Okay. And here's the thing: like we've pissed off China now for submarines we might have in twenty years. Right. Like, what's China going to have in 20 years? They're going to have laser battle mechs and shit. <laughs> I'll tell you what they're going to have in 20 years is an incredible climate crisis. Like, <laughs> Well, this is that's the other thing. is is And the reason that I haven't really talked about the strategicness of these submarines, and I don't think it matters, is this isn't about defence. Because every defence expert, if you ask them, what should we be focusing on? They wouldn't say get your submarines up to scratch. They'd say, fucking do something about climate change. Do something about your relationship with Indonesia and the Pacific Islands because we are going to have a crisis of food. You're going to have global, like, trade and food crises. You're going to have refugees in Australia from different parts of Australia. you got your bushfire shit. Scott Morrison wouldn't shell out for firefighting aircraft. Remember when we needed those in about a month? Um, he yeah. wouldn't shell out for those, but no, we'll drop so many billions on maybe submarines. It's not about defense. If you want to have good defense, be friends with China. To increase our defensive capability by virtue of an alliance with countries that are on physically the other side of the world right. in the face of a crisis that is really going to fuck up supply chains worldwide. Already <laughs> like- is. Already is. Yeah. 
the, the supply chains it, worldwide are already like completely screwed thanks to coronavirus. Where's Isaac's PS5? Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> it's only going to get worse. We need to be talking to our neighbours, yeah. but somehow every single member of our government is like attended a hypnosis show recently, where as soon as they see somebody who's not white, they just say "fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you" until <laughs> they run out of breath. Yeah, like yeah, that's- yeah. They had to undergo <sighs> hypnosis for that. It's very weird. <laughs> we can't we can't explain why the Australian government is like that. <laughs> yeah. By hypnosis, of course, we mean growing up in Australia. Yeah, just yeah. Um, by hypnosis, just being fucking racist. I didn't say I thought they had attended one recently. I said behaved as though they had. <laughs> <laughs> For any lawyers listening, <laughs> stop. Um, I saw a I saw a sketch at some point, and I've forgotten where it was. It might have been like I don't know, someone like the games or, or something, um, or Hollow Men. Maybe it doesn't matter. Um, where it was like, what exactly are we protecting? Strategic interests, specifically, Colonel. Indo-Pacific strategic Again, interest. Really specifically. Indo-Asia-Pacific strategic yeah. You know what? Interest. I'll say it and then you nod. Our trade routes. Yeah. And who is our number one trading partner? Shall we use an odd system? Sure. China? Yeah. So under this scenario, we're spending close to $30 billion a year to protect our trade with China from China. And that doesn't strike anyone at this table as odd. I believe that one's from Utopia. I reckon we can get Utopia. a couple of that in there. Can I just give you some quick context on submarines? Because I've been sitting on... I did a whole bunch of military research. <laughs> oh, yeah, actually, yeah. submarine, Lang. Let's yeah. go. Lang, I'm going to bite. What the fuck is a submarine? Mm. So <laughs> sub means under and marine means water. Right, so it's our fish. <laughs> Distinct from a submersible, which can go deeper for longer, um, a submarine... So Australia... <clears throat> Australia the for a while... defines... <laughs> Australia has had these, like, six Collins-class submarines since sometime in the 90s. Um, and, and don't worry about those. They've always been shit. We've had at most six of them. <laughs> at most, we've ever been able to crew four of them. And generally, we've not had four actually functional because they <laughs> have been bad. Doesn't matter. Forget about it. They've never done anything. They once escorted some ships in East Timor. Other than that, they've just cost us a few billion dollars just to have. Because you've got to have some submarines. You've if anyone have asks, you've got to be like, here are my submarines. <laughs> <laughs> Pointing to an, uh, uh, a featureless bay. <laughs> yes. Mm, they're all... <laughs> trust us. Here's That's the thing. Is like, Ooh. Why don't we just not have submarines but say we have... Sub- yes, they're escorting <laughs> the ships right now. They're just that stealthy. Was, isn't that like the premise of like the Cold War, just saying that you had stuff and then like not actually having as much as you said you did? Yeah. <laughs> Those inflatable tanks and things. Get some of those. We tried that, but the inflatable submarines really didn't fucking work. (laughs) Maybe we have done that. And it's just, they were just like, we've got sort of most of one submarine. And they're like, oh, how many submarines? Oh, we got. (laughs) Can't be implausible here. Four. Four was the only limit of an audacious lie. That's the best (laughs) they could do. We've got four, but they're bad. Please believe it. They're like, why would you? Why would you make that up? And it's just like, oh, we don't have any. I mean, honestly, that would make me happier than knowing we'd spent billions on these garbage submarines. Um, so ever since they were built, people have been saying we need to replace them. Um, eventually, Turnbull made the deal with France in 2016 to replace them for fifty billion dollars. And the like, the the time scale here boggles me because they made the deal in 2016. And the submarines were meant to get here, like, mid-2020s. Um, that got pushed forward to mid-2030s. And the, the cost inflated to $90 billion. And like you said with the NBN, this is because we didn't buy off-the-shelf submarines. 
Um, we could have got them from Japan, who by all accounts makes friggin' great submarines. Not that we need submarines. Not that um, we know either, they're so but, good. But if we wanted submarines, exactly, Japan has a fleet of invisible submarines. <laughs> if we'd wanted submarines, we could have bought them off the shelf. Like, reliable, but Turnbull wanted custom jobs. Fuck me, Turnbull wanted his submarines fucking lowered with rims and neon and shit. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell. He wanted a bespoke submarine. And and like I said before, it's all business and politics. We wanted them partly yeah. built in Australia to make jobs to keep the South Australian government happy because they got submarine builders needing to feed their families or whatever. Um, they can't give them welfare. You've got to have submarines. Yeah. <laughs> we got these French submarines, which are actually designed to be nuclear, but we wanted them retrofitted with diesel um, <laughs> and using American... Um, I think American combat systems or some shit like that. So they had to be kind of custom made. <laughs> but somehow this stupid plan went wrong. <laughs> so, oh, who could have predicted we wanted submarines to the node? Um, <laughs> and here's the thing. Nuclear submarines would have been cheaper and easier to get. The reason we didn't go with nuclear submarines is a very good reason, which is that Australia has no nuclear technology capacity. We have no <laughs> nuclear engineers, no nuclear expertise, no nuclear anything. And that means that any nuclear submarines we have, we've got to import all of the people to operate them. Or we've got to subcontract it to other countries. And you don't want to subcontract your defense operations to a country on the other side of the world for obvious reasons. So you agree we with We would Matt give Canada. that contract to China immediately. <laughs> <laughs> we will. We fucking will. We will export all of our fucking uranium to China and go, please, please do good stuff to it, but don't use it for bad Turn reasons. Turn this into submarines, please. <laughs> Remember, this is a construction contract for a military contract, which means it isn't a military contract. <laughs> the Australian submarine captain's on the phone to like the submarine maintenance line, and it's just some guy in China reading from a script being like, okay, so uh, is the reactor light red? <laughs> no? All right. Um, what model do you have again? Um, but, of course, now we've gone with nuclear submarines. And it's important to point out to anybody who, who is confused that by nuclear submarines, I don't mean submarines with nuclear missiles. We do not have nuclear weapons. They're just nuclear powered. Oh, I actually didn't know that. I thought they had weapons on it. No, no. No, no, just nuclear power. And that's that's important. That's even dumber. No. <laughs> well, Evie wants I nukes. Mean- <laughs> What's the point? I did, I, did, I did have that thought myself when Scott Morrison was at Payne's during the press conference being like, I need to reiterate that we are not looking to enrich this and we're not looking to get nuclear weapons. I'm like, what's the fucking point then? Whatever. At least be- Well- If you're going to be fucking like weirdly, mildly fascist, get nukes at least. <laughs> Fuck this. It's, I reckon it's because they want to sort of just slowly usher it in if they're just like, oh, we've oh, gotcha. got nuclear powered shit in our military, which means we can just go out every day and say- and it's done that we don't have <laughs> nuclear weapons. We have the nuclear yeah, power. Uh, we just should. Uh, and then they just do that for a few years. And then they're just like, obviously, people have been calling for nuclear weaponry for years. So it's a bit of a done deal. So it, they are going to nuclear weapons, but just uh, not in one go. Part of my brain was like pretty much already constri- considers like Australia having nuclear weapons by proxy just because we kiss so much ass of the UK and the US. Um, and so like if we really, really, really wanted nuclear weapons, we could probably get them. Probably already do have them in Australia, I emoji, but like, you know. I mean, make no mistake, under mutually assured destruction, we'd be fucking dead in a nuclear war, oh, regardless. Yeah. We'd be, like, we'd be don't dead worry, don't worry it's all good. We're going As down with the ship. everyone. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, if nuclear war breaks out, 
there's the thing of like, oh, you know, obviously plunging the world into nuclear winter, blah, blah, blah. But it's also like, it wouldn't help with the climate work either, would it? <laughs> well, what if it did? I, I had that thought a couple months ago. What if global warming was countered by nuclear winter and everything just sort of worked out, but just for Australia? Just for <laughs> that's, Australia. That's it. If that's, that's scientifically it. sound. That's a joke yeah. from episode one of Futurama. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> so... Look, here's the thing. I I, I don't want to go into nuclear weapons. I actually don't think it is a slippery slope. I think nuclear weapons is a separate part of the tech tree. Um, and that's like, it's it's kind of a big deal. Like, yes, maybe at some point in the future we might have nuclear weapons, but I don't really think it's a slippery slope like that. I think we have our nuclear weapons capability, like you say, because we're buddies with America who have enough to go around. Um, <laughs> if we get a nuclear weapon, we're going to get one. It's going to be built in Adelaide and it's going to be shit. <laughs> <laughs> I've just recalled um, that in during this announcement, Adam Bant kept on calling the submarines floating Chernobyls, which is <sighs> <sighs> not only a bad line, but like scientifically wrong. Like, come on. Like, I, I know like speechwriters are used to writing cringe, but this one was particularly on the nose. <laughs> There's, it's not a slam dunk wrong thing because there is a bunch of Russian nuclear subs that are just sort of like retired and derelict and they didn't depo- dispose of them properly. And so they're just sort of like leaking radioactive material into the ocean. Yeah, there's but, also one right. at the bottom of it. There's ocean, also only a few of them and we've got plastic garbage patches to worry about. It's not the biggest <laughs> issue. We should nuke the plastic garbage patch. <laughs> this is part of the reason that Turnbull didn't go with nuclear submarines when he had the option is because Australia has a very strong anti-nuclear um, history. Um, not not for bad reasons. I think nuclear power, you know, has a lot of issues. Um, and certainly when we were thinking about it, Chernobyl was in everyone's minds. But it is interesting that Chernobyl is the only nuclear meltdown you can refer to. In Fukushima. 50 years I can ago. refer to Fukushima. That wasn't, a melt- that, wasn't, that wasn't a meltdown. And how many people died? Yeah, what about the uh, Long Island? I'm not going to litigate nuclear <laughs> stuff. That's a separate episode of the thing. But <clears throat> Adam Bat has to say this. He's in the Greens and they were built on anti-nuclear sort of sentiment. Um, yes, they're not floating Chernobyls. Just to clarify what the sort of official stance of the pod is on nuclear energy, my understanding is it's like we're anti-nuclear but not by virtue of the fact that it's inherently bad but by virtue of the fact that setting up nuclear capability in Australia would be so much more expensive and take so much longer than just going with renewables that it's sort of a stupid decision. Yeah. I'm anti yeah. I'm anti-nuclear in Australia. I think countries that are running a nuclear program, which is most of the the developed countries, um keep doing that. Fucking keep doing the nuclear until you can shift it over to renewables. Shutting down nuclear um at the moment mostly means turning on fossil fuels, which is so much worse. Mm. Um Nuclear power is very safe and very effective, but it's expensive and it's complicated um, and we don't have any of it in Australia. Nuclear power versus renewables. Nuclear power still comes with a lot of byproduct that it is incredibly no, hard it doesn't. to dispose of. No, it doesn't. Um, that's, a, that's another myth. No. Nuclear power, the amount of nuclear fuel it would run, Evie, to, to, it would use to run your entire life's use of electricity is about a kilo. Really? And that is about something the size of an old film canister or smaller. That is all the nuclear fuel your life would ever require. Huh. Um, nuclear is mad efficient. <laughs> that sounds like um, a challenge, Lang. Lang's doing like you're wrong about. Bitcoin. I love this. <laughs> yes. Everyone is wrong about nuclear power. Um, 
and, but don't even get involved Lang? in yeah, even me, <laughs> especially me. Don't get involved in nuclear arguments on Twitter because also pro nuclear people are insane. McLean's point still remains, which is that considering that we have the resources and capabilities to yes. spin up renewables, oh, we yeah. should obviously choose that as a priority. Nuclear was a fantastic technology in the eighties and nineties, and we if we'd built it then we you know, that would have been fine. We didn't. Now we have better technology. Let's build the fucking renewables. Here's the thing, though, is you've got Adam Bant being like, oh, it's a floating Chernobyl, which is kind of dumb. But then he's immediately countered by Tim Wilson in his replies saying, <laughs> oh, oh, in a choice between the climate crisis and zero emissions power, Adam Bant has chosen the fossil fuel power submarines. Now, Tim Wilson is a liberal MP who fucking loves fossil fuels. But the one point where he's into, like, a non-fossil fuels technology is in a submarine, which isn't about energy. We're not plugging him into the grid. I think Tim Wilson is just trying to needle Adam Bant in whatever way he can find. I don't think that... Oh, yeah, he's not... I was going to say, I don't think that he genuinely believes it, but I was like, it's Tim Wilson. I don't think that there's a part of his sort of soul that genuinely believes anything. He's (laughs) like an automaton that, like, says fucked shit. Um, <laughs> it doesn't have a sort of interiority <laughs> He has one prime directive To just try to accrue as much power as he can While being as smug as possible And that's it Doesn't <laughs> have anything else apart from that And look, the end result of all of this Is maybe we'll get up to 12 submarines in 2040 Now, <laughs> do you guys want to take a quick guess? Who can get closest? How many submarines does China have right now? 20 It's more than 20 40 it's more than 40. Fuck off. 41. <laughs> There's no way uh, you can have more than 45 submarines, Lang. It's How many si- submarines, Lang? It's 60-something submarines. Wait. Oh, okay. <laughs> right now. The USA has 50-something. Japan has 20-something. Even Lang the UK against has... different photos of empty bays. Just <laughs> <laughs> Australia has never had more than four. We're fucking about. <laughs> So, considering that we're still in an international pandemic uh, and there's still occasionally some discontent with the fact that we are currently in lockdown in the east coast of Australia, um, the anti-lockdown protests are starting to gain momentum. And so there was a planned protest. Planning is like, I put that in heavy air quotes. (laughs) Um, uh, I saw someone discussing like they were in like one of the Telegram channels for the planning for these protests. And they said they like a lot of these people just spent a lot of time debating the Jewish question, but like in the days preceding. Debating the Jewish question? Which? That's a quote unquote. Um, Which kind of gives you a a sort of sense of setting the tone for the kind of people that we're dealing with at the anti-lockdown protests. Fucking Um, dealing with Nazis from 1940. Yeah, we're starting to see a convergence of like the people who have been radicalised in small businesses because they're not getting any support from the government and anti-vaxxers and God knows who the fuck else. And they're all starting to like sort of spin each other's brains a bit more. And we're starting to see like a real like problem with radicalization in that sense anyway Mm -hmm. so they planned protests in a couple of eastern state cities uh, on on this weekend yesterday in fact um we're recording on sunday so i'm talking about saturday um and in response and since the police obviously had gotten wind of this ahead of time uh they announced the um, victorian police announced that they were shutting down all transport into to and from 
the CBD. All which, public transport. All public transport. So all train lines, all tram lines, all bus lines. It. I mm. will. I will just say, like, obviously, I know it is possible for the police to do like a couple of lines at a time. It happens all the mm. time in terms of like. <laughs> it, it happens because of accidents. It does happen. Got two nostrils. <laughs> but. I was unaware that it could shut down the entire city's public transport, and I feel like this is a bad precedent to set. Yeah, <laughs> such a huge overreach. You would think, like, you know, when 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 we make minor adjustments to public transport at the city, like, oh, by the way, PT is going to be free on New Year's, or this line's going to be dead. Like, you need major comms for this one. This mm. one's like a couple of days ahead of time. They're just like, oh, by the way, the police are going to shut down the public transport network from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Saturday. And that's a significant period of time. It's a significant, yeah. like, what? The- I was trying to find details of this in researching it for the pod, and that's all. Mm. I was like, you know, if I just need to get a bus from, like, part of Dandenong to a different part of Dandenong, is, is that... Part of the announcement, they were just like, mm. 8 a.m. to 2 p.m., network shut down, don't go to lockdown protest, bop, bop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what? If I'm a, an emergency care nurse trying to get to the COVID ward that I work at, okay, what, am I taking an Uber now from my home? Like, I mean, if I'm just like a low-waged worker who lives in the suburbs and works in the city, mm. <laughs> what do I do? Mm. They, they ran a limited number of shuttle buses is the answer yeah. to that. You need to uh, make alternative arrangements because they do have little shuttle buses tootling around the place. Beep, beep. We've got the vaccine <laughs> bus and now around. we've got replacement fucking shuttle buses to, to stop a protest. Why can't the protesters just get on the shuttle buses? <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> oh, because you, you can tell. that the, the bus stops and they're just like, are you an essential worker? And they're like, well, yeah, what? What's your answer to the Jewish question before I get the fuck? Okay, uh, beep beep. (laughs) (laughs) Bye bye. No, but that's the thing. The protests still happen too. So clearly people can fucking get in. Like, it it is a dangerous precedent. It's, It's absolutely unequivocally bad whenever the cops overreach and step forward, even if it's for something that you think is good. That's the thing. Like we're we're critical of the lockdown protests. Um, they are a complicated issue for a number of fucking reasons. But you don't want cops just shutting down an entire city's public transport system. You don't want cops able to just beat people with impunity, even if they're people you don't like. It's the thing we constantly <sighs> talk about in this podcast, which is that when the powers that be have being given this authority, the first people, they'll, they'll test it out in a couple of places and maybe in something that is like, you know, to the public what might be sympathetic to them shutting down the city um, for the sake of stopping the anti-lockdown protests because they're widely unpopular. Um, but if you start that testing in like a, in a situation where the public is sympathetic to it, they're going to mm. use it in situations almost immediately that threaten left-wing activists. That's always yeah, what yeah. happens. I. I don't think it's necessarily giving the police full social license to do this next time. I think there's a strong factor of like, well, the city's in lockdown anyway, so pe- what are people even using public transport for? Mm. I think that if we were in a situation where people like had, obviously there's a lot of essential workers and stuff that's, st- like the public transport network is still active for a reason, but I think that if the city was not locked down, shutting down public transport would be a much bigger thing. But just the oh, fact sure. that they didn't acknowledge that it was a really huge deal, they were just like, well, it's just public transport, what do you want? Yeah. That... That's wild. It's not a one-for-one, they will do this next time. It is the creeping like um, social consent Mm. to the type of things. Because when we come out of lockdown, it's going to be harder to do. But they have pushed it so far along that they can say, or even supporters of the cops can say, well, they're Mm. not shutting down the public transport system. You know, they're just running horses into protesters and breaking Mm -hmm. their legs and and shit like that. It's the, The power creep is 
it can be literal, like buying machine guns for them, but mm. it can also just be that idea of, you know, like eroding consent to overreach. It can also be just like the the social, almost ephemeral idea of like, oh, cops are allowed to do pretty extreme stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I want to know what the chain of command is here. Like, did the cops ring up the public transport guys and say, we want to shut down public transport and CBD on Saturday? And the public transport guys were like, you fucking what? Did, <laughs> did the state government talk to the cops and tell them to do Did the health well, department talk to the cops to talk to the... Like, what's uh, happening? From, okay, so I'm completely speaking from an un, uh, uninformed position here, but from what I know about public transport and VicPol, is that because public transport, like, well, the train system in Victoria at least, is a private system that is, run, like, you know, funded by the government and still is mm. responsible to government guidelines, they still can work with VicPol individually. Um, but yeah. for something of like, you know, and they, like when it comes to like car accidents or something like obstructions on the chain, train lines that they need to like, you know, make a snap decision, they work together separately. I'm sure they have a closer relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've also got a lot of precedent of the police going to the Victorian state government and saying, can we have this thing, please? We don't yeah. need it. And there's no evidence showing that it'll be good, <laughs> but we do want it. Yeah. And Victorian government being like, Yes, honey, of course. Like, th this is like, you know, the curfew, the yeah. bloody, um, like, mm. tower lockdown, like, the, the the response to a lot of things Accessing around- Accessing QR um, codes. Oh, yeah, giving the bloody cops access to the QR code data. Oh, yeah. The, the government really does sort of have a weak spot there for, like, oh, well, people are sensitive about lockdown stuff, and our response is to cop first and sort of do the things that work later, so- Yes, mm. you know, oh, shut down the, poli the the public transport for the city for a day. Okie dokie. Like, it, it, what's next? Yeah. Like, hey, can we uh, shut down the power grid for this suburb? Just because people are staying out late and we don't like that. People are tweeting things at us. Yeah. Oh, we've noticed that a lot of people are accessing Telegram via electronic devices. Mm. So. <laughs> <laughs> people keep adding Vic Poll and saying nasty things. We hate it. Cut off the NBN. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, but the cops had 2,000 police in the CBD. At that point, you'd think you could have the public transport running and just put cops on the public transport or something. Like, if you're already having to police shuttle buses, which seems mad that you shut down functional public transport and then try to half-arsedly replace it with what is definitely going to be shit buses. Mm. Like, how about instead of having shitty buses, you just have some trams uh, that we already have? There's, there's one cop going and being like, wait a second, are you saying I get to I drive the train? Like <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just, it, like I said as well, these the protests still went ahead um, mm. and they were as violent as you would expect the ever-evolving nastiness of the um, anti-lockdown campaigns to get. And, I mean, just to pivot into the protests for a little bit, Someone was someone tweeted out. Um, I think it was actually uh, Declan from Floodcast, just talking about like watching the violence of these protests. Pretty much lines up with leftist fantasies about protests mm -mm. and like <laughs> watching, like because these these guys came into the guys and gals came into the city, had themselves a as Evie said, a pretty well unorganized protest. Again, Tom Tanaki is covering a lot of this sort of stuff, but it seems like it's mostly anti-vax or conspiracy theorist grifters just sort of like jumping onto ideas in these group chats and promoting, like you know, someone just suggests a Saturday, Saturday eighteenth, why not? And then that 
gets momentum. So it's also this horrible like fantasy of a leftist flat structure, like <coughs> a hive mind that we would want to operate on like social socialist bounds. But instead, it's being picked up by fucking people debating the Jewish question in 2021. We've seen at these anti-lockdown protests before. They put up white nationalist and racist uh, neo-Nazi stickers to promote their fucking causes at these things. But they get into the city, they start to have this protest and the cops try to kettle them, which is a, a manoeuvre that cops usually do in protests where they just very slowly put cops at different intersections and different choke points and herd protesters into a small spot. And then we've seen either mass arrests where they arrest people one by one. Sometimes, especially in America, they just beat them. They just get them into a corner and like the fucking Roman army, just beat people that can't escape. And these fucking protesters, these chuds, some of them, some of the worst people of our society, also managed to break out of a kettle line and just charge straight through the cops in, again, what is unfortunately like the leftist ideal fantasy of revolutionary protest. And watching all of this footage, I was just like, I I know it's hyperbolic, but I just feel like there is this definite undercurrent that things are wrong and things need to change. And that is bubbling into genuine revolutionary anger and energy. And it is just being fucking squandered by like QAnon theorists, conspiracy theorists and fucking anti-vax morons. And like... Like, leftists used to do this sort of shit. We had the fucking, the Eureka Rebellion and shit. Like, we we had leftists throwing Molotovs and fighting cops, and that was for shit like The weekend. and now it's against shit like nanobots in a vaccine. <laughs> like, we fucking blew it. We absolutely blew it, and it's not something we could have fixed, like, five years ago. This is when we talk about the union movement and the Labour Party have like ebbed away this revolutionary solidarity spirit that the workers mm. had. It's over 30 years of just going, nah, don't worry about it. Nah, don't worry about it. Ah, it's all good. Mitch, it's also, it's it's like a, it's one thing that I think leftists know the kind of violence that has been used against them in the past. And we have had yeah. several decades of knowing it and being afraid of it for good reason, obviously. No one wants to be beaten up by the cops. But yeah. We've definitely gotten to the point where I think leftists fear the violence and the retribution and the surveillance and know about it. And a lot of these people who have attended these protests are not anti-cop people, essentially. Mm. They're pro-cop. And now they're surprised that they're getting beaten up by the cops because they act in this way. Like, I saw this woman who tweeted from a conservative news outlet who tweeted a picture and a video of a 70-year-old woman getting horrifically beaten up by the cops. Um, It was just like, you know, really like genuinely fucked up abuse of power by the police. And the statement that she said um, along with the video was – Police have to justify their force in a court of law. There's no way they can do this unless the courts prove corrupt. This is not justifiable. And I'm oh, just sitting there reading oh, that going, welcome to the police. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, the, the, the thing of like, you know, I, I've seen some of the footage of the protests and the police violence being deployed on the protesters there of like indiscriminate pepper spraying, like tackling. Obviously, kettling's a really fucked tactic that just rises the temperature of any protest like it's not mm. a de-escalation tactic absolutely not by any stretch of the imagination it's a tactic that the police use when they want to beat some ass but the the fact that there's stuff like we have guidelines around when police are allowed to deploy violence and it is all about like a direct threat to safety like you're not meant to just f- spray pepper spray mm. into a crowd 
But they do at every single protest like this. And there's no sense of like, hey, that was wrong and you need to face consequences for that. It is because those guidelines are genuinely a joke. There's Mm. no interest in actually enforcing them because (laughs) you can see that there's no interest because they're not being enforced. They're not being responded to. What are you going to do? Do an internal investigation? Oh, turns (laughs) out it was okay. Oh. Yeah, I had um, a long, hard look at myself in the mirror and I reckon actually I'm pretty good. Yeah, and I agree with you, Mitch. I'm looking at these these videos of these protests and if this was a, a protest for something like climate action or welfare, I'd be like, fuck yeah, look at these heroes. But of course, they're, <laughs> they're campaigning against vaccines and shit. But you're right. I This is the energy and passion and stuff that we need. And I wonder if part of this is that like, this is a protest of people who haven't thought things through that well. Um, yeah. And, and I worry that a lot of, like, you get your climate protests and stuff, and that's full of people who've thought things through or, or have gone, oh, I've, I've, I, I think in, in the long term some of the decisions we make might not be very good. Um, but they are also thinking through, oh, I don't particularly want to get pepper sprayed in the face, and maybe we need to make sure that our social media presence is good. Um, but oh, then, yeah, like, like, I don't want to get stalked by the cops for the rest of my life right. because, yeah. So this is a protest of young guys who yesterday went, fuck it, let's fuck some shit up, yeah, um, without, without thinking. Yeah, I think it's like we're admiring the sort of energy and passion of these protests, but also sort of need to acknowledge that that comes from a sort of stupidity and violent impulse that I I think that maybe we've been like, maybe we don't want a bunch of stupidity and violent impulse in the left that, Mm. you know, you can see why you would try and exclude that from your leftist Mm. organisation because those people tend to fucking suck. 100%. Mm. This is is the weird (laughs) tension is that so many of the people at this protest, I've seen it before, I've been involved, I've had punches thrown, I've had punches swung at me from Nazis at protests before. I understand that there is a group of people who went to these protests and they were just like, I can't fucking wait to kick off. I don't know what Mm. it is. I don't know what happens. And they're the type of people, and these people exist. I I think some people forget that there are people men who go out of a night and they want to either try to pick up or get into a fight. They Mm. fucking love it. And so a bunch of those people are drawn to these things because they just want violence. But at the same time, protesters at these rallies in one of these videos were chanting, you serve us at the police. Something I have never seen at a fucking leftist rally, like pushing the ire back on the cops. And like, I I think Evie, you're 100% right in that because leftists know how fucking hardcore the cops can get if they actually feel threatened by this sort of thing. Where so many of these people are just like, I'm a fuck, I am a revolutionary and we are bringing down the global elite cabal. And they go out there and then speaking of wasted potential, how many of these people who aren't the violent thugs and aren't the racists and who are just sort of worried about their situation in life and have a vague sense of the politics at play are going to be burned out by this? Who are not going to come to protest again because the leadership wasn't good, the organisation wasn't there, and the cops were brutal, and they take that energy and then they just shelve it. And they go, nah, not interested in this, I've just got to look after myself, get a good job, and not worry about this shit before. Those are the types of people that clearly we need to get on side for things like workers' rights and climate change because obviously they're ready to go. They came out in force when there was no public transport available too. Like, it's just such a fucking wasted opportunity for some of these people. Some of the other people can fuck (laughs) off into the sun. (laughs) It's a tricky one. 
Speaking of effective protest or dubious <laughs> effective <we>? protest. <laughs> protest. <laughs> Speaking of air protest. So another thing that happened this week was that construction workers took industrial action on Friday and they blocked a bunch of streets after they lost access to their tea room. The tea room, I should say, is also being taken away due to coronavirus prevention measures to stop mm. people from getting it within their workplace. Construction workers have been working throughout the pandemic um, with COVID safe measures. And so they took to the streets and had at Smoko with their tables in the middle of the road. And see, this is a situation where I love it. Another complicated one, eh? I, I love, I have to say, like, no, they shouldn't have tea rooms like to, in order to stop the spread of coronavirus. Also, working sucks and protesting is good and should definitely strike. Yeah. <laughs> they should be able to have a place to sit, to have their tea room, and if their internal, like, indoor COVID-dangerous tea room gets shut down, mm. a different tea room should be provided for them. We can yeah. fucking sort that out. Get them a marquee, for fuck's sake. Yeah, it's one of those <laughs> things where, on like, on the one hand, the, the idea of protesting against safety measures against COVID and against needing vaccination to be on site, which is another one of their like demands um is well sorry on the one hand like you know protesting against covid safe measures and protesting against having to get a vaccination to be on site that's something that they're protesting against as well that's sort of like uh, fuck actually i sort of agree with that but one thing that we've seen in the last two fucking years is that what bosses will do is start mm. to erode every single one of the hard-earned rights that workers have under the guise of COVID restrictions. And if we fucking let them, they will continue to do so after the pandemic. And we've seen this because when Australia didn't have any cases of COVID and work started to get back to normal, bosses kept putting shit on workers going, oh, things have sort of changed now. I think maybe we should redo these contracts. I think this working from home contract should maybe say that you promise not to get to Distracted. I think maybe you can take a pay cut, blah, 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 blah. And so workers protesting against their tea room being taken away is not them having a sook, as some fucking wet-lipped, chinless comedians <laughs> on Twitter will fucking say. What they are doing is making sure that labour rights and workers' power stays fucking strong. And all of these people going, oh, well, teachers and nurses don't fucking protest their tea room being mm. taken away. Well, maybe yeah, they, they fucking should. should. That is yeah. the point. Workers have power and we only have power if we exercise it. Fuck me dead. Teachers should be out there protesting en masse like but i think a lot of uh, well nurses and medical professionals aren't protesting because they're like people will die teachers aren't protesting because they're like i need to support the kids but honestly maybe we're at the point where it's like the schools should be closed because they're fucking not running well the kids mm. are being forced to do their hscs that don't want to do them that aren't going to get good results we need protests yeah so like the cfmeu is like I don't think it's an uncontroversial statement to say it is perhaps one of the last few effective union movements in this country in that mm. they will strike for what the fuck ever, which is great. They put down tools the other the, the other few months ago when someone was assaulted on a work site and they all just went, fuck off, no, we're not yeah. working, we're taking care of this guy and if, the, if we find out who it was, we'll also take action. And <laughs> we'll take care of them too. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's what a union movement needs to fucking be. That's what solidarity actually is. It's not, you know, putting forward a motion and having a vote. Like, it's being on the fucking ground and doing actual things. The thing you were saying before, Mitch, about, like, all these people complaining about it of, like, you know, oh, essential workers didn't strike or anything um, – it's just the thing I was talking about, like how they're an effective union. The university 
sector does has not had an effective like leadership in unions for a long, long time. And as a result, we've lost 40,000 jobs in universities. Mm. Like, where was the strikes there? Where were the strikes of mm. union workers? Like, maybe they should have done that. For context, the mining industry employs about 38,000 people and we constantly hear about, oh, we can't risk the job losses there. It shouldn't be podcasters talking about 40,000 job losses in universities. It should be the NTEU. Like, where is the union power in that? I remember mid-last year when the NTEU, the, that's the university's union, were getting out there being like, oh, we're pretty worried about these job losses. Maybe we should do something about it. And they fucking didn't. They just went, ah, oh, look, we, we lost the negotiations. It's like, no, you fucking keep negotiating. You keep fighting. There was no strikes. There was no walk-offs. The, the rank and file kept on like going in to say, we should do something. We should strike. And the leadership were like, ah, uh, nah. The, the fact that that strike as well, just the specific tea break strike, the, the way that it was done, because it, it was a strike, but it was also like a bit cheeky. Like they weren't placarding <laughs> or, you know, like picketing the, the, the construction sites. They just took their trestle tables out into the street, blocked the road and had their tea room there. And they were like, if you're not going to give us a tea room, we're going to make a tea room and the tea room's going to obstruct traffic. <laughs> it was a barbecue. Like they had a barbecue. When people were like, this is not a approved strike. It's like, they're not a strike. It's not a strike. It's a tea break. Don't, don't worry about it. It was very petulant. Like, oh, we'll find that. We'll find that. But that- I'm going to do it that, on the road. <laughs> that petulance is also something that's missing from the union. That's the thing. A strike doesn't have to be like, workers stand united in solidarity. A strike can absolutely be, actually, fuck you. I'm yeah, 100%. Anyway. I'm yeah. not working today. I'm there. And that is- <laughs> Exactly, like that's that drives strikes. It's just people being like, "Actually, fuck you," and then your colleague being like, "Oh, look, I don't really give a shit about this, but they're having tea on the on the street. I'm not going to not do that when it's happening, and I'm not going to get in trouble because there's 300 of us. So, fuck yeah, I'm having a, a tea on the street. Yeah, like that's, bring that's, that too. That's the essence of like the working movement is is getting this problem, which has been a problem for the workers, and being like, you know what. This is a problem for everyone else now. This is a problem for our yes, bosses. Yes, What's yes. that? The machine doesn't have effective safety guards. We're not going to use that machine. Oh, you want us to use the machine? Uh, well, I guess you got to be- get a safe machine. Yeah, uh, we would use the machine, except somebody threw a wrench through it. Oh, <laughs> should have been safer. This is the uh, other yeah. thing. Whoops. <laughs> mentioning how the union movement has been eroded over decades, part of that erosion leads to the attitudes of some people going, oh, they're just having a bloody sook, and they're, you know, mm-hmm. th- they're impacting me. There was the thing as well that you see with the um, Extinction Rebellion protest too. What if an ambulance needed to come through? What would <gasps> happen then? And uh... Stuff like that. And one thing that the neoliberal policies of the Labor Party and the Liberal Party have been really good at is making people look at the wrong target in this. When they see industrial action, instead of going, oh, fuck yeah, someone's boss is being a fucking dickhead, they just go, what is wrong with this worker? There is an issue with that worker. And that is fundamentally fucking incorrect. You need to look at industrial action as an industry thing, not an individual thing. And we keep looking at as individuals. These workers are being sooks. No, the construction industry is being fucked. These university Mm. professors get paid too much. No, they're not being supported as an industry. We need to bring that awareness back. The idea that there's a sort of two different modes of behaviour, one of which is having a sook and the other of which is legitimately airing a grievance and that there's some sort of way that one is like legitimate and the other one is like, oh, just, just faffing about. Anytime someone's having a sook, they are complaining about a problem. That, <laughs> that's it. 
<laughs> there's no illegitimate way to to protest. Like there are ineffective ways to protest, mm. but there are no illegitimate ways to protest because that legitimacy, just putting on a strangely shaped hat, like it, it, it comes from the people who are complaining about it. Yeah. Like. It, fuck you if you're saying it's a sook. They, they were protesting. If the proper channels worked, they wouldn't have to protest. That's just yes! a classic thing. Like, if <laughs> those if those construction works, they definitely would have asked their boss for a tea room. They definitely would have complained through more peaceful channels. When those didn't work, they went, oh, guess we're eating outside on the road. Yeah, but also, yeah. please don't use your tea room at your construction site and get a vaccine as soon as you can. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Give, these, give these people an open-air tea room, get them some masks... Make them get vaccinated. I don't yeah. know. Whatever. Um, I'm not gonna not gonna get into that. But, but even that. But the the interesting thing is that no one ever says, "Oh, the cops have shot down the C- shut down the CBD." What if an ambulance worker gets to ne- needs to get through? Yeah. Oh, what the government has <laughs> cut pay for ambulance workers. What if an ambulance worker needs to get paid? No one ever says that. It's always like, <laughs> "Oh, kids care about their future." Well, what if an ambulance needs to get through? Won't somebody think of the ambulance workers? <laughs> Someone really needs to think of the ambulance workers. They're getting fucked at the moment. They are. <laughs> they, Paramedics they are getting poor. fucked at the moment. It sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, international strike. listener, if you're bloody uh, in Australia, you'll a very common sight is to see an ambulance with a bunch of shit mm. written on the windows about how they don't get paid enough. That's like <sighs> yeah, most yeah. ambulances. It's fucked. Yeah, it's fucked. And they can't go on strike easily because people fucking die. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, our final point is work sucks. You should support people who don't want to work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shoutouts this week. Just a quick shout out to Joel Fitzgibbon for being the most effective Labor member that has probably ever been. Uh, He totally wrecked shop. He stopped progress from happening for many, Mm -hmm. many years, and now he's going off into the sunset, hopefully to never be heard of again. But he's not contesting the next election. um, And fuck off. Yeah. He he said like what was it like oh my work here is compl- you know I've accomplished <laughs> everything that I needed to do while BHP announced that a bunch of the workers in his electorate would have to <laughs> move out or lose their jobs like the, the the announcement came within like I don't know ten minutes of each other He's like, and job's done goodbye fucking loser fuck off Joel Fitzgibbon go away yep. forever may yeah, your dynasty be forgotten I hope your retirement is short <laughs> <laughs> finally done something good for the climate by quitting. I am looking forward to the One Nation reject that actually gets put up by the Labor Party there, though. Oh, um, Joel Fitzgibbon. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking, why don't they send Christina K- Kersha Keneally there? Now, let's not get into that. We've got to wrap this episode up. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again for listening to another episode of Not Good Enough. Please share us with all of your friends. Rate us on all of your podcast apps. And uh, get in touch with us. We love hearing from you with questions, queries, corrections, all that sort of stuff. Uh, we're on the socials. No, at- don't correct me. Do not correct me. <laughs> Evie, let me get the socials out there. No, Evie, no, stop. <laughs> Evie cutting the microphone cord. No, do not contact us on the social medias at Not Good Pod. And do not email us, Not Good Pod at Pro protonmail.com she won't read it tell us how we're wrong about nuclear power but not on twitter i've seen you people i did not want it. not good enough recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin nation uh, we pay respects to their elders past and present and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded <laughs>